Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Let me know that you're around and you're ready for the Word of God. It's going to be an amazing time. And let me just say this. Welcome once again to the new year. Uh, I know I said that already yesterday at uh, Restart Prayers. But I want to just welcome you to the new year. Truly, there are new opportunities and big things that are waiting for you. It's our year of providence. And we will see the providential hand of God in our lives. We will see his intentionality. And we will see his grace in full. Right? We will see his provision. We will see his protection and preservation and precision in his leading all right so get ready for that praise the name of jesus the teaching series for this month uh first of all um the 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 teaching series for this month is is very foundational and, and it's going to be it's a call to action it starts as an awakening it starts as an awakening for you to to see what god has done for us and it's going to move to a place where it's a call to action, you know, to, to, to let you make best use of this grace that God has given to you. If you're going to live a providential life, grace must be in the picture. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. And the teaching series for this month is Rhythms of Grace. We're going to explore the rhythms of grace, of God's grace in Christ Jesus. And today's teaching is called Gospel Music. And I know it sounds like a strange title. What are we talking about? Are we analyzing some gospel hits from last year or ones that are about to drop this year? What's going on? You'll find out, right? But this is how I want to start this teaching. It's I know it's unconventional, but um, I want you to just listen and pay attention. I wrote, for the many of you who don't know, I do spoken word poetry. Um, I do it and I've heard that it's, it's okay. It's quite good. Um, and just five minutes ago, I finished one that I'd like you to hear. It's titled gospel music. All right. And I want you to just pay attention. I hope it makes sense. This is the first time I'm going to be reciting it out. So, uh, go easy on me. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. So here, here goes. Just pay attention. Um, and listen to the words, right? Listen to the words. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. On the dusty road to Golgotha, the musical stage is being set up. Lights, the Friday night, the Friday night hour of Jerusalem's sun. Cameras, the beating eyes of expectant mass murderers and sympathizers. Action, it had begun. Wailings and weepings, sorrows and screams, impregnating the air like a sustained four-note chord. Do you hear it? And do you remember the overture that ushered in this musical piece when Roman whips flayed his bleeding back? One, two, Three, four, thirty-nine. The time signature was formed. The tempo of the beat 
was set a soundtrack of flesh, bones, and cries as skin gave in to the cruel spikes and rugged stones from Roman, from Roman whips. And every thought of his gasping for breath, every breath feeling like the last note. Do you hear the screeching sound of the base of a wooden tree dragged along harsh ground? The spittings and scorns became the metronome for his footsteps. The splinters piercing his shoulders and the thorns intruding his temples as he carried this cross on his shoulders. I'm sure he remembered the temples where he once overthrew tables and whipped the livestock. Now they would overthrow his temple on a cross and whip him to scorn. Hammers and nails took the place of drumsticks, playing beats and rhythms as nail kissed wood. The orchestra is beaming louder. Bows and sticks stroked his hamstrings like violins. He was stretched across like an accordion, slammed on wood like cymbals as blood and water danced to the tune punctured by spear. I'll spare you the details. The people continued the chorus of crucify him. Where once the lyrics were, Hosanna in the highest. And soon... They were accompanied by a symphony of thunderclaps from a pregnant sky. A cadence of strong wind harmonizing with the pitch of the sky. He gave his last breath. It is finished. It is finished. The final lyrics to this masterpiece. And with the grand closing, the ground tore open, vibrations giving their final bass line to the earth as the earth began its drum beat and quaked the foundations of Jerusalem. Treble, treble clefts from the cliffs of Calvary caused walls to tremble, caused trouble in the temples as veil met access as division greeted inclusion, as separation welcomed reconciliation, as heaven kissed earth as God met man and man saw God. And, and God who conducted this whole musical piece with his conducting baton, a baton of grace and prophecy that weaved lineages and events into the tapestry of salvation where his wrath will be swallowed in his son completely where we now stand. There was silence. Life met death, temple met grave. And after three bars of musical rest, the resounding rumble ensued. As sunlight found its way into the grave, a stone rolled away. And as sunrise, the sun rose. His death brought life for all. This is Gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, God's own son provides everlasting life. Have you heard this sound? Have you heard the first ever gospel music? Well, this was it. 
Praise the Lord. Okay. So that was a, a poem called Gospel Music. And, and this is what it is. I'm going to expatiate on what this means. And I want you to turn your Bible to Zephaniah chapter 3 from verse 13. This is where we're going to relish and bask this evening. Zephaniah chapter 3 from verse 17. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. It says, the Lord your God. Hallelujah. You know, this scripture needs to ring deeply in your heart for the rest of this year. The Lord your God. And, and, and this, before I continue, this speaks mightily of the perception that many people have of God. You know, one thing that I've learned is that the perception of a person doesn't change who that person is. Many people have this idea of God, the idea that he's some tyrant and he's distant and he's angry all the time. But you see, when you think about it, the sun doesn't rise or set. It stays where it is. But depending on where the position of the earth is part time, we experience day or night. So the sun stays the same, but our position, our perspective can change. And that's important because it's important to know that God's character is still the same. It's not going to change anytime soon and not even forever. But sometimes our perspective can. And I want us to read the scripture with that mentality that this is the character of God. And look at this, verse 17. The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. I love that it says the Lord is in the midst of you. He's not above at some distance looking into your affairs. He's there. <laughs> he knows he's part of you. He included himself. And says he's mighty. He will save. Another rendition says he is mighty to save. He will save. He will bring salvation. And when he does, when he brings this salvation, what is he going to do? He'll rejoice over you with joy oh my goodness just see that picture of a god who has everything he'll ever need yet he's coming into our affairs he's saving us but he also rejoices with joy <laughs> imagine that double that double term rejoice with joy to show the extent of his joy it's it's inexpressible it's it's, it's expressible, but it's, it's, it's just incomprehensible. He will rest in his love. Like that's where he finds satisfaction. The fact that we are the objects of his love. He will rest in his love. He will be satisfied in his love. Just as he rested on the seventh day, the Sabbath, when he was done with the creation. When he is done saving, he rests. The work is done, it is finished, and he rests in that love. He will joy, rejoice over you with singing. Oh, glory to God. God sings over you. Do you realize that? God sings over you. And to me, this is gospel music. The songs that God sang of his intentions to save you. I believe that as God embarked on this mission from even before the fall of man to save mankind. I believe 
that as he embarked on this journey, I actually believe that he was singing the songs of the things he was going to accomplish. He was rejoicing over us and singing. You know, do you know that there are artists, you know, who release love albums? And and, and some of you know some artists, R&B, pop, right? They release art, um, albums, I beg your pardon, some love albums. But in those albums, they actually talk about the people that, you know, hurt them, they hooked up with or they broke up with those people. You know, one of the people that comes to mind is, you know, one very swift tailor like this, you know. Uh, very swift tailor like <laughs> like this. No shade. But um, if you know, you know. You know, this, I see that they write these songs, these love songs about these people. Like every track is probably talking about one person, one breakup, you know. But you see, in the album of heaven, do you know that there are love songs written about you? Songs about God's initiative to woo you and save you completely. You know, songs about an inheritance that awaits you, about a place for you in his kingdom and a place for him in your heart. And God sings these songs over you. That's one thing you need to know. It's the This is the album of the year. This is the album of the century and the album for all generations. God sings about you. He sings about his love, about his plan to save. And this is the picture you must always have about God. He's intentionally invested in us. That's what you need to see. God is intentionally invested in every one of us. So when I talk about gospel music, I'm talking about the sequence of all that God did to save man. It's the gospel of grace. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. The gospel of God's grace. Look, the gospel is the gospel of grace. And I thank God for the revelation that we have as a ministry. Do you know what kind of bondage we would have put ourselves in if we were a legalistic ministry? If we're all about the outward appearance alone, if we're all about the do's and the don'ts and the rules and the regulations, do you know how much bondage we'll be in? Where we are always looking for the next best way to impress God, to make him pleased, to, to struggle, to, to exhaust ourselves, trying to earn something that could never be earned by our efforts. Do you know how much bondage would have put people? But I thank God for revelation. We know, we know that the gospel God has given to us is, it, is the good news of his grace. The good news of his love that he has rested in. He, he's rested in his love for us. I thank God because grace lib it, it, it liberates. It, it doesn't give an avenue to, to, to linger in sin, contrary to popular opinion. A lot of people are so threatened by the message of grace. And they always say, ah, you, you, you young people, it's your youthful exuberance. You're you are trying to, to emphasize this grace. Grace, everything, grace, grace, is grace, is grace. There's always grace. God forgives you. There's grace. You know, do whatever you want. But they miss the idea. They miss the picture. They forget that many of them who don't appreciate the grace of God and only focus on the commandments and the, and, and the rules and the regulations, they have literally taken away the foundation of pleasing God. They're literally living in the old covenant where the people were helpless. Do you realize that the people in the old covenant, they had commandments, they had instructions, but no one could live in them fully, completely. 
They needed help. And even when they messed up, you realize that the law gave no mercy. You mess up, you are gone for. You are done. You commit adultery, you are stoned to death. You disobey your parents, stoned to death. You commit blasphemy, stoned to death. There was no leniency. And that's bondage. But we're coming to tell people that, look, there is grace. There is a chance where you and God can be reconciled, where you can have forgiveness, where God can hold you by the hand and walk with you consistently on this path of righteousness. That even if you stumble, he'll pick you up again and you can keep running. That's what we want people to see. That's the message of grace. And it's this grace that liberates people, that changes people. And we will continue to preach about this grace for the rest of our lives. Can I hear a loud amen? Amen. Glory to God. It's not an avenue for you to linger in sin. It's not an avenue for you to to keep on going like there's nothing. There's no accountability. It's the power of God to help you live above sin. It is. That's what grace is. And at its very core, grace is unmerited favor that's what it means the word unmerited simply means unearned something that you are given but you didn't deserve have you received anything recently that you really didn't deserve this thing but somehow you got it anyways that's grace that's grace that's the gift of grace but you see there there, there are five things that i want to say about this grace right I i want to to tell you five things about this grace that God gives. All right. Number one, it's God's idea. Number one, it's God's idea. And I can't rehash this enough. I, I need to say this because somehow a lot of people think that if they're going to please God, if they're going to be known by God, they have to seek him out. They have to find God. They need to do something to get his attention. He's so far up there in the heavens. You know, you need to put your fireworks, your banger, so that he can see the light and say, okay, okay, there's somebody there. You, you're, some of us have the idea that we need to get God's at- attention somehow. But in the grand scheme of things, before you were formed, God knew you. Before you were formed in your womb. We see that with Jeremiah's example It talks about the intentionality of God. Think about how much God invested everything in humanity. In the grand scheme of things, he took the first step. There is a God in heaven who proved by his actions that we are worth more than heaven. (laughs) I know that sounds controversial, but it's the truth. He forsook the glory that heaven gave and came in our form to the form of his servant, the lowest form just so that he could give us a place in his kingdom. There was a God who forsook his glory so that you could receive his. God took the first step. It wasn't an afterthought that, you know, Adam and Eve were strolling. He told them, do, hey, Adamu, Eve, don't eat of this fruit. I've warned you. I've told you. Yes, sir. You know how it is now. You know, when you tell your, when you tell those children, and hey, that reminds me, you people, don't touch that chicken in the kitchen. Don't touch it or I'll be back shortly. Don't touch it. <laughs> and somehow, the chicken you never even knew existed. 
uh, <laughs> seemingly becomes the most important thing to you in that moment and you indulge you know kind of what happened with these guys and maybe people have this idea that you know adam pl eve plucks the fruit you know she's about to take the first bite she's about to take and michael was just passing you know in the corridor into michael just hey 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 what's going on hey rafael gabriel come 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 Come, 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 quickly, quickly. You know, that TV screen in Heaven's Gate, everybody's watching it. Come on, come. Uh, uh, if, 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 I beg, uh, if, I beg now, I beg, if, don't try. If, no! <sighs> okay, okay, it's fine. It's just if we can contain the situation. All right, you guys, go. You know, code Charlie 510. Let's go, go, go. Go contain the, the, the contamination. But as they're about to do that, she's walking to Adam. And she's like, hey, baby. Hi, boo. I found something for you to, you know, to just munch, you know, just eat out of it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, she gives Adam, I said, this woman, I will slap her. You know, in heaven, they're looking at her. I will slap. Don't try. Adam, Adam, no, I, Adam, yeah, my guy, don't try. No! You know, and, <laughs> and, and all, you know, all hell breaks loose and everywhere is scattering in heaven. The alarms go off. You know, everybody's screaming, walking around, and God is just entering. Ah, kilo day, what's going on? Michael, yeah, come, come down. What's going on? Ah, God, God, come and see what your people have done. What, what is it? You mean they, they ate? Ha! Ah, oh my God! <laughs> that moment when God says, "Oh my God," <laughs> and then He says, "Oh yeah, assemble, meeting, quickly, everybody." Then they have a board meeting, and they are trying to find out what what went wrong. How did it happen? Who was responsible? Who was not on night duty? You know, and they say, fine, fine, fine. We've messed up. We've messed up. It's fine. Let's not point fingers right now. We need someone to go for us. Someone to save these people from their sins. Someone to redeem them and reconcile them to me. Who will go? And everybody's silent. Uh -uh, Michael, even you. <laughs> I beg, please, I beg. I, I like it here. I like it over here, please. <laughs> and then one guy in the corner at the end of the table just turns his, you know, that rolling chair, he just swivels his chair around. Then, then the background music, and he just says, Here I am. Send me, Lord. And everybody say, go, God is just like, Can you imagine? Can you see all of you? You should be disgraced. My son wants to do it. But, son, are you sure? I'll go for them. I'll die for them. I'll find them. And when I do, I'll save them. You know? And everybody's clapping. And then, now say, so let's wait for it. If that's, <laughs> if that, I know it sounds dramatic, but if that's the idea that you have of how it went down at the fall, you need, you need to come see me. We need to talk. That is absolutely wrong. And I don't want to get into the semantics of, and the details of, you know, God's foreknowledge, if he knew, why didn't he stop them? Bottom line, they had free will. They had a choice to make. If they didn't have an option, then how would you know they had free will? So he gave them instructions, gave them options. You can decide to eat and not eat. But this is what will happen if you eat. So don't eat. And they disobeyed. But God, make no mistake, God knew about this. He knew it was going to happen. And in his sovereignty, in his providence, he made a plan. The Bible says, you know, the, talking about the lamb in Reve the book of Revelation, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. In God's plans and purposes, Jesus 
was going to be slain to save the world from the foundations of the world. That has always been God's plan. It's always been, been God's idea. Praise the name of Jesus. So you see, God took the first step. He took the initiative. There was nothing that you could do to try to get his attention. He already had your attention. I, I beg your pardon. He, you already had his attention. You already had his attention. So that's the first thing you need to realize. That it's, it's always God's idea. This grace thing, salvation, is God's idea. Number two, it's free. Number two, it's free. And I'm going to read this. And many of you have read this before, but I want you to just pay attention. You know the scripture, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8 to 9. Let's just go there very quickly. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8 to 9. I hope you're learning something so far and you're following. This is very important. I'm taking you somewhere. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look, it's saying that the only way you can be saved is by God's grace. And it is received through faith. And it's not about you, it's not about your efforts, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. What you realize here is that it says it's the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. If, if you have to pay for it, if you have to work for it, it's not salvation. It's not grace. If it's not free, it's not grace. Grace is not earned by working hard or by the amount of money you have or the amount of money you pay in the church or your service in church. That doesn't matter. It's free. Look at Titus chapter 3 from verse 3 to 5. I'll read this very quickly. Titus chapter 3 from verse 3 to 5. It says, For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient. This was you. Deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. He says it's not by works of righteousness that you have done. It's not by works of righteousness which you have done. It's according to his mercy that he saved us. He saved us by his mercy. Glory to God. That's the story of our lives. It's free. And I think there's some, there's some phrases that we need to get rid of in our, in our church. In our churches across the world. The, 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 the phrase, giving your life to Christ for salvation, it ought to be cancelled. When you say, for those of you who want to give your life to Christ, come out, that should be cancelled. Because every nomenclature that indicates your efforts to merit God's grace, it must be cancelled. We need to replace them. And, and these things have a subconscious effect. We don't realize it. You don't give your life to Christ at the point of salvation. 
You first of all receive it. You receive, you accept. And that's why it's more appropriate to say, accept the Lord as your Savior. Accept the life that He gives. Because you had nothing to give. The Bible describes the state of your life as dead in transgressions. As you see in Ephesians, you were dead in your trespasses. But God made your life, quickened you, made your life, brought you to life. So your efforts can never earn you salvation. And, and this is even beyond the point where you got saved. For those of you who are saved listening to me, it's still not by works. Do, do your works matter to God? Absolutely. Do the things that you do, you know, concern God, the, the works you do, will you give an account? Absolutely. They matter to God. But here's the thing. If you think that the reason right now you're experiencing those bad times, and not right now, maybe before in the past too, if you feel like you've suffered certain things or you've messed up at certain points and it's because God is punishing you, it's because you messed up, you didn't do some good works and that's why you've lost God's grace, then you still don't understand this grace thing. The things that you receive from God, they're not because you are the best person or the greatest person in the world. It's because of God. It's all about God. It's about God. It's about his goodness. When God, think about it, when you think of the most rebellious people in the world, you're talking about the Jews at the time when God led them out of Egypt. They were the most rebellious people. He showed them the signs. When all the ten plagues hit Egypt, do you realize that these guys were protected? They were in a place called Goshen and it didn't touch them, not a single plague, even the last one. He brought them out, parted the Red Sea, they walked across it. This was God's goodness on display in such a dramatic way. That rhymes. That's, that, that rhymes. Cool. And these guys had the audacity to create an idol and bow down to this idol, this golden calf, and say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Do you know how bad that has to be? Still, on their journeys, as they walked through the wilderness, God preserved all of them, that not a single person lost their lives. Got to a point they were thirsty. God brought water. They were hungry. God brought manna. Think about the goodness of God. Was it because they deserved it? If your mindset is that you have to do certain things to move God, that you know by the time you drop that that tithe, ha! You know you walk in such a good company. By the time you drop the tithe, the whole, the pastor, the church, everybody will feel it, and you know God, God too in the heavens. Who feel it? Yes, that's my son. You 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 don't understand grace. It's free. The goodness of God is free, and it leads me to the next point. It's for whosoever. The grace of God is for whosoever. Um, please let me know if I mean it. Just came to my mind that some of you might have missed the poem that I recited at the beginning. If you want me to recite it again just let me know i'll do it right at the end of the teaching right i'll go again to do the poem all right I'll just indicate in the chat section let me know all right number three it's for whosoever and whosoever is anybody john three sixteen tells us that god so loved the world he did something about it he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him will not perish 
but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in him. And, and, and easily I can split this into two categories. The, the upright ones, the do-gooders, the, the goody two-shoes, and the naughty ones, the nice and naughty ones. We can just use Santa's terms, right? The nice and naughty people. And let's talk about the upright ones because this is a this is also a very dicey thing. It's for whosoever. And and this directly ties to what we talked about about earning God's favor or not. You know, you you'll find out for me, I, I found out many times that some of the most difficult people to evangelize to are not the people that are the most terrible people. Right? What I find out many times is those who think themselves to be morally upright. Those ones things that they, they they think that they figured it all out. They feel like they're in right standing with God. They are fine, you know. And but they're not saved. They're not Christians. They've not believed in this, in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. They're some of the toughest people to convince. But look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, from verse seven to nine. Philippians chapter three, from verse seven to nine. It says, "But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ." Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency. I love Paul's attitude. Paul was so humble. And when you read the context, he's talking about his Judaic um, accolades, the things he had gathered as a Jew, as a Pharisee. He had so much reason to, he had so much reason to boast. He had so much reason to, you know, flaunt all his accolades but he said he, he counted all those things at loss he said i count all things but for but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for whom i have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but don't that i may win christ right that's it that i may win christ then he goes there verse 9 and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law. Do you see it? But that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. I love this because it's saying, see, a lot of people have gone about trying to establish their own righteousness. When you think about the, the story of Paul, what you see is someone who was judicious for the Lord. I mean, this guy felt like he was a superhero for Jesus. Uh, I mean, not for Jesus at the time, a superhero for God. This guy was, my goodness, he was, he was literally uprooting heretics. That's what he thought he was doing. But he found that at the end of the day that that's not how righteousness is achieved. It's not even by how dogged or how charismatic you've been. It's through faith in Christ Jesus. He was upright. Paul was an upright man, but he still wasn't saved. In Romans 10, verse 1 to 4, he says something similar. Romans 10, verse 1 to 4, he said, Brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Verse 2, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. He is the completion. He is the fulfillment of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. When you believe in him, 
righteousness is fulfilled in you. Do you understand that? And this is critical because there are so many people that think they are in right standing with God right now, but they are not because they have not submitted to the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ Jesus. So it's even to these guys, the goody two shoes. And that's why I encourage people when you evangelize, when you talk to someone, don't assume everyone is saved. They might carry the label, I am a Christian. I go to church. I do good things. I pay my tithes. I give to the poor. I'm friendly. I'm a, good, I'm a people person. These things don't count for salvation. We've established that already. We've seen it through scriptures. And so you go the extra mile and say, what makes you saved? What makes you a Christian? Well, you know, my dad is a pastor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, you know, I don't miss, ch- I don't miss church. I didn't miss church in, in the whole 2021, not once. I was always early. Okay. What else? Um, in, you know, about three departments in the church. I pay my, my tithes. My tithes, by the way, is not 10%. It's 50%. <laughs> you know, you hear people say these things and you're like, and, and I'm telling you, even people that have been in the church for decades still don't understand the foundation of their faith. That it's not by that kind of righteousness. It's not by your your hard work to earn God's favor. It's by faith in Christ Jesus. By the hard work of Christ on the cross. When you believe that, when you believe in the service of Christ on the cross and not in your service in church, then you understand the righteousness of God. You know, one person that comes to mind easily is the man Cornelius. Right? It's a man called Cornelius. He was a good man. Right, you read it in in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter ten. You know, he gave alms to the poor, an upright man, so much so that you know, God knew all these things. But because God, in His mercy, knew that this guy, like, I mean, I mean, and I know that many of you can relate. There's this feeling that you see, you see some people that do so good, so well. You you hear, you know, someone who donated billions of dollars to eradicate polio in some african countries and you're like man people with such big hearts but sadly they don't know the lord jesus and of course you know the implications of that and god in his mercy sent peter peter you know through different visions this was going to be the first gentile he was preaching to ever god convinced him so much god was so persistent since the first vision the second vision the third vision you know was so persistent sent people <laughs> you have to reach cornelius do you know how stubborn peter must have been because many of us have that idea that someone like cornelius should not be saved he's a roman soldier do you know how how many bad things roman soldiers yeah he might be you know different amongst them but still he's a soldier he's he he's part of the people that colonized us no definitely you, you can't mean this lord definitely i can't eat the things that are unclean god in his mercy says no don't call what I've, I've cleansed unclean. That's the idea that you must have. It's for the whosoevers. And to God be the glory, Cornelius and his entire household were filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, and were saved. Glory to God. That's your God. That's the merciful God that you serve. And on the other side, the naughty ones, the worst of them, you know, open your Bible to Matthew 27. I was reading this. You know, as I was preparing the the poem I read, and I see that you guys want me to recite it again, so I will towards the end. So stick around. If I don't, please remind me. Um, But Matthew 27 from verse 24, this is what it says. It's so good. 
um, and I was using this to prepare and I, I read the story and it's very easy to miss a lot of parts in this story of the crucifixion of Jesus but this this one popped out to me like God in his mercy oh my goodness God is so good guys look at this let me just let me not <laughs> let me not spend too much time he says so when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See, see, see to it yourselves. And all the people answered. Do you know what they said? These were people that once shouted Hosanna in the highest. These people that had praised him. Probably some of them ate of the, of the, of the loaves and, and, and the fish that he shared amongst them. Probably these were people who were also healed. And these people said, see, don't worry, Pilate, we, we have your back. Don't worry, comrade. His blood be on us and on our children. Do you know what that means? He said, yes, wash your hand, it's fine. Let his blood be on us and on our children. And then he released for them Barnabas. And having scourged Jesus, they delivered him to be crucified. The grace of God was so much so that even though the people meant that statement in a negative way, the Lord meant it for good. Think about it. Do you know that the blood of Jesus was upon all those that believed and their children? The prayer Jesus spoke on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Guess what? Anyone who truly repented and believed in God and Jesus for, for, the, repent, for the, the forgiveness of their sins, the blood of Jesus will be on, upon them. Literally. I, I read it and that was the revelation God gave me that these people had all the wrong intentions. But I missed their scheming. I missed their planning. Jesus had a different plan. A plan to forgive them. A readiness and willingness to blot out all their, all their sins with his blood. Glory to God. That is huge. That is huge. The same part of that story is that there must have been a man who had been imprisoned on death row, a murderer, a thief, someone who was about to be executed. And he met Jesus for the first time that day. And all he knew is that I met this man and the moment I met him, my chains were loosed and I was set free. I was set free forever. <laughs> That's what happens with an encounter with Jesus to the whosoever's. That you can meet Jesus with all the burden and the baggage from your past. And in one moment, the chains are loosed. <laughs> Glory to God. Ay, 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 ay. Someone who didn't deserve it tasted of the grace of Jesus. Guys, when you look at the lineage of Jesus, you see prostitutes. Rahab, you see Tamar. These were people that equally experienced salvation. Rahab was saved from the judgment of God. If you read the story... Someone who was a prostitute. And when you read the story of Jesus, when you see the people he hung out with, he hung out with people you would never expect a man of God to hang out with. Imagine you people saw me. You're like, ah, I've been hearing so much about Pastor Kenneth, but I've never met him, him, uh, never met him in person. Let me just, you know, I, I hear that he's, he's right there. He's in Ikeja. Let me just check him out. And as you're passing, passing, you know, you know, there's a loud nightclub. Boom, boom, boom. Get you. Get you. And you're passing. And you just, you know, caught a glimpse. You just, eh? Ah. Is, is this not Pastor Kenneth? Ah, he's the one. Who, yeah, 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 yeah. And you walked. You saw me in a bar. And I'm talking to a lady. <laughs> With a skimpy, scanty, see-through dress. And we're talking. 
we're talking. She's looking into my eyes. We're talking. And I hold her hand. Ha! Pastor, but you will shout. Will you not shout? Pastor, can't beg, oh God. <laughs> what are you doing here, sir? I just said that she greets you, sir. <laughs> you know, you'll be concerned. But Jesus didn't care about his reputation. Of course, if you are doing that kind of thing in, this, in the name of ministry, there must be wisdom. Um, but, you know, Jesus didn't mind. He was a leader. He was a teacher, a spiritual leader, but he hung out with the worst of sinners. And in Jewish culture, you know what they do to sinners. It's, the segregation is clear. You mess up. You are not one of us. But he, these were people he, 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 he stayed with. These are people he accepted invitations to their homes. He dined with them. He hugged them. He allowed them to kiss his feet. He interacted with them. This is the Jesus that you serve. The Jesus of the whosoevers. And, and I'm saying this because it's a call to you to see people the way God sees them. It's a call for you to not underestimate the power of God to save a person. Some of you are so judgmental that at the very sight of someone with earrings and tattoos and dyed heads, hair and, and dead, dead uh, dreadlocks, I beg your pardon, dreadlocks and baggy jeans that are, and saggy baggy jeans that are ripped with chains on their neck, all the things that would be a typical bad boy stereotype. You see all this in one person and say, this person is going to hell. Like you can utter those words and say, man, this person, there's no hope. How dare you? How dare you spit in the face of Jesus? How dare you look at someone that God loves so much? Someone who, was one, who, who is dead in sin just like you once were. Do you think that the grace of God can cover such a person? We're so judgmental as Christians sometimes. It takes the grace of God for us to communicate grace to others, honestly. Give it as a challenge that anyone you see that in your mind, your mind, that legalistic side of your mind that's just judged them left, right and center. In your mind, you've just judged this person, this person. Maybe the girl posted on her status, you know, you know, maybe she used to, you know, she has a reputation, right? And she posted a picture of, of a bikini on her status and you're like, hmm, this one has lost it. Or she's drinking alcohol on her status. Or she's posting all sorts of things. And your mind, you're just like, this person, I beg, this person, there's nothing. Your own, your own don't do. Are, they're cooking your, your stove in, in hell. They're preparing it for you. They're roasting it. Stir fry. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you need to get off your high horse. You need to realize that God's will is the salvation of all men, even the worst of them, especially the worst of them. Jesus said that the physician didn't come for those who are healthy. He came for the sick. That's your God. He's the God of the adulterous woman. He's the God of Mary of Magdala, the, the prostitute. He's, he's the God of Rahab. He's the God of the tax collector. He is the God of the worst of them all. He's God of the sex addict. He's the God of... Of, of the homosexual. He is the God of everyone. Of all flesh. And his grace can reach anyone. Your part. Is to be patient as God is patient with people. Especially when you, you it comes to communicating that grace to people. Alright. Praise the name of Jesus. So I've said that God's grace. is a, it, it was his idea. He took the first step. The first initiative. 
We said that it's free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. God gives it freely. And it said it's for the whosoever. Number four, it is abundant. It is abundant. And as, as much as I would love to dwell on this one for a while, there isn't much time. But one thing I can say is that when it comes to the gifts that God gives, he always gives it in abundance. He always gives this in abundance. He always gives it in abundance. Every time. Every time. Gives it in abundance. And to you here listening to me, if you haven't received the life of Christ, you need to know that his grace is abundant. It, it doesn't run out. You, you can hardly exhaust his grace. Let me give you a picture of the abundance of God. You know, some of you just have an idea that maybe you're, you're asking for too much from God. You have an idea that, oh, I feel like my frequent asking every time, asking for forgiveness. Uh, is there not going to be a point where God will just say, hello, hello, stop that. Just knock my head, say, every time forgiveness. Come on, get out of my side. You know, you have that, you have that African men, parent mentality with God, whereas the picture we see is a God who rejoices over you, who is mighty to save, who is in your midst. You know, when you look at the story of Mary and Martha, when Jesus went to Bethany to visit um, Lazarus, Mary and Martha, you know, he was tired from his journey. He was weak. And, you know, Mary, I beg your pardon, Martha, being who she was, very homely, very hospitable, quickly went to make food. And Mary stayed there just listening. And Martha asked, and Mary, what's the matter? <laughs> I had to use that joke. I'm sorry. You know, I said, Come on, come to the kitchen. Come and help me out. You know, I need your help. You know, I need, can't you see Jesus is tired? And and after you're seeing him tired, you still want to be asking him questions. You still want to be draining from him. And do you know how Jesus responded? He said, leave, leave Mary, for she has found the better part. Like, the point is, even the physically tired and drained Jesus was pleased more when Mary took from her. Rather than when Martha served him. Do you see that? That's the picture of grace you need to see. It's abundant. Even if you, if you have the idea that, look, it's, it, you've collected too much. You're asking for too much. Think about that story. He, he, said, he told the woman at the well, he said, anyone who drinks from me will never thirst again. Never thirst. That never ending supply. That's what I'm talking about. And so even if you have gone to a faraway country and squandered all the goodness of God in your life, you've been isolated, you've stayed away from God, you've been, you know, encumbered with some sin. He's like that man, the father in the story, with his arms wide open, taking that first step, waiting for you, looking out for you, waiting for you to come back into his arms. That's the God you serve. He, his grace is abundant. And I want you to walk in the abundance of God's grace in this new year. It's, it's a consciousness to have. It's a consciousness to have. That God's grace is abundant. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And number five. It has expectations. God's grace has expectations. Hallelujah. And I'll just summarize this in three points. Number one, your response. It has an expectation for the kind of response you give. You know... The Bible tells us that God sings over you, like we said, beautiful gospel music, right? But he wants you to sing along in response. He wants you to appreciate the beautiful gift, this beautiful gift that he's given, right? He, the grace of God 
is a call for us to see his goodness and let go of all that isn't goodness. Do you understand? He wants you to realize that his grace is the single most important subject matter in the entire world and nothing would ever be more important. That's the response. If God rejoices over your salvation, how much more you, you who didn't deserve it. You need to take time this year to just celebrate. I know you have needs. I know you have petitions. I know there are things you want. I know there are things on your gold list and that you want to take off. I understand. But you receive the best gift you will ever receive. One that will never fade away. One that is reserved in heaven for you. That's what you've received. And God wants you to celebrate what you have. Imagine. I think, I think we downplay the point, the place of celebrating God's grace. When, when you need to celebrate grace. Amen. You need to celebrate grace. That's what I'm trying to say. That you could get a brand new car. And everybody celebrates with you. And you celebrate and you pop champagne and you are happy. And you think about it the year after. Ah, that car. God gave you his best. The best gift there will ever be. God's best. Heaven's best. Salvation. His grace. You need to celebrate it. That's the expectation. Grace has expectations that you must respond the way God responded. Where he rejoices. Hallelujah with you. He rejoices over you with joy. Hallelujah. And he expects it of you. Second thing he expects. And second thing that grace expects is your assurance grace expects that you understand the gravity of the sacrifice of jesus that it's so abundant that it keeps it doesn't just kick start the process it sees the process of salvation through and he wants you to be assured of that first peter chapter 1 from verse 3 to 5 i'll read it very quickly it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again into what? A lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away reserved in heaven for you. Look at that. There's an inheritance waiting for you. It's reserved in heaven. It's undefiled. It's does, it doesn't fade away. Some of you buy houses, buy cars, and after years, it, it fades away. They need replacement. This one doesn't. It doesn't. And verse 5. Come on, come on. Let's do this together. Who are kept. Talking about you. You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the God you serve. <laughs> he keeps you by his power. There's an expected assurance, a blessed assurance that comes with grace. It's expected that you understand that grace is so holistic, so abundant, so powerful that it keeps you. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Glory to God. The last thing that grace expects is your ambassadorship. Your ambassadorship. And 2 Corinthians 5, it's, it's very clear what it tells us, right? There, there is a call that when, when you receive the best guilt, you know how it is when you receive something nice, something uj. When you receive it, there's a way... That you portray it, even if no one asks you. Imagine you bought, just imagine this, right? 
Imagine you bought a Rolex watch. Maybe you're into watches. You bought a Rolex watch, right? Or let me say you bought an iPhone 13 Pro Max, Super Max, well, whatever the latest one is out there. You have the iPhone 13 and you want to, I mean, this is a, this is just something you love so much. It was a gift, but you know, you need, people need to share know you have your iPhone. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And you know, someone is just like, you know, what's the time? You have a watch on your hand, though. No more watch. You shall bring out that phone. You know, say, sorry, uh, the time is, uh, you know, this is uh, 3 p.m., you know. You shall want them to see your iPhone 13. You know, there's that pride you have when something good happens, when there's good news. Same thing, especially some of you, when, when you start to have kids, when your children start to do well, there's a way you just showcase them. Ah, uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, you're just talking about random things. They're talking about how... Nigeria is, you know, is a country, you know, I was about to say a bad country, God help me, you know, you're just talking about politics and stuff, and but somehow you're just so proud of your child, you just say, ah, that, you know, that's how uh, Shegun, you know, God just, uh, you know, all his nine A's in Waiyek, you know, uh, anyways, what were we talking about, Buhari Abi, uh-huh. so, you know, you'll find a way to squeeze it in, because you're proud, you're happy about something that is good, and that's what the gospel is. Right, that's what the gospel is. God's own son provides eternal life. It's good news. And so there's an expectation that you be an ambassador for this good news. He did it and we tell it. That's the that's the sequence of things. You know, if Second Corinthians five eighteen tells us, you know, in all things of God, you know, he reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus, and he's given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not in Putting their trespasses onto them and uh, had committed unto us the reward of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors of Christ as though God did beseech you by us. The idea is we are pleading to you on behalf of God. That's what Paul is saying. He said, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, we plead you in Christ that be reconciled to God. That's the idea. There's an expectation. How can you receive such great grace, such great salvation, and not talk about it, and not share with someone who is the whosoever? How? There are expectations of grace. And as we go on in this teaching series, I want to talk about how, how you can grow in grace. You can actually grow in grace, in understanding the grace of God, in walking in the grace of God, in experiencing the grace of God. Come on, guys. Look. The grace of God is real. It's real. It's so rich. And we will never stop talking about it for the ages to come. The rhythms of his grace. We will never stop talking about it. This song that he sung over us and he's rejoiced about his plan of salvation. How he will reconcile us back to himself. It's the best song you ever sing. It's something to rejoice about. It's something to celebrate. It's something to give God thanks. And right now, I, I, I don't want to assume... I don't want to make the assumption that everyone who is listening to me right now is saved. And I mean truly saved. I mean you've, you've really acknowledged that you are sinful. You've broken God's commandments. You've lied. You've stolen. You've sinned. And even if you didn't do all these things right from the time of Adam, we've been corrupted. We were born in sin. I want to give you this opportunity to receive the life of Christ. 
I want to give you this opportunity to truly put faith in Jesus right now, today. This is the best thing you will ever do in your life. And I'm telling you, because of this kind of gift, there's already, there's already a, a host of witnesses, a body of believers in Christ, a family ready to receive you. So if this is you, I want you to say this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you because despite my sinfulness, you made a way for me. And while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. You died so that I can have relationship with you. You died so that I can be forgiven of all my sins. You died so that I might be justified. Right now, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried to take away my old man. And that you were raised to life so that I may have life in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am born again. I am saved. I have an inheritance. And I live the rest of my life basking in your grace. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Look, if you said this prayer from the depths of your heart and you're truly saved, we want to follow you up. We want to know who you are. We want to celebrate you. If you feel comfortable, um, just letting us know in the chat section, please go ahead. Let us find you. Let us celebrate you. Right, you know, the but it's that simple. You are saved, and and your destiny has switched from darkness to life, from from damnation and condemnation to to righteousness, just like that. Bible says, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe and confess with your mouth, and that's what you've done. But we want to follow you, follow you up. We want to make it easy for you to grow in grace and walk in grace. All right. So if this is you, celebrates you. God bless you. You can. Put your, your details, your, your email in the chat section. Let's follow you up. right? And if you're listening to this as a replay, maybe this is not a live stream, um, I want you also to do the same thing. I want you to reach out to us at vivify365 at gmail.com. Vivify365 at gmail.com. And let us help you grow in grace. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, before we close, can we just say a word of prayer together, guys? Just a short prayer. I want you to pray right now and just thank God for his grace. Just in a few seconds, all of you listening, thank God for his grace that is so benevolent. Just celebrate his grace in your life. Celebrate the grace he has given to you in Christ Jesus. Celebrate it. Thank him. He gave his life for you. He sacrificed everything so that he would have a place in his kingdom. Oh, thank you. What grace, what grace, what grace, what grace. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for giving your life for me. I will never get tired of thanking you. Thank you because in you I am born again, born anew. My sins have been taken away. My old man has been destroyed. And I walk in the newness of life. Thank you, Lord. I am in awe. I am in awe. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Glory to God. 
I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.